Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Today's topic is you have the right to remain silent. Jenny Wingle, nice to see you. Hi, Ken. Good to be here. Right to remain silent, except for when I ask my husband a question. He, 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 better, he better fess up. You know, we all have the right to remain silent when we're husbands. <laughs> Sometimes silence is the best policy. You know, it, it'd always be the important question, you know. Do you want to go to so-and-so's for dinner tonight? They're texting me. Please answer. <laughs> At my age, because I'm getting a little bit up there, between Bonnie and myself with the upstairs and the downstairs, we can never hear each other if we're shouting to each other from one level to the next. <laughs> so I'll be in my study with the TV, if, particularly if I have the TV on in the study. She'll say something to me. I'll ignore it the first time. She'll say it again. And then I'll turn the TV down slightly and yell back, I can't hear you. Yeah, and then I like figure she'll come downstairs if she wants to tell me what it is. And then the, and the reverse happens the exact same way. With us today is also Corey Silverstein. Hello. Corey is our newest member to the Law and Reality team. I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Ken. Corey is an expert in criminal defense as well as internet law. And he's going to join. He's a member of the Law and Reality panel. He's going to be with us on a regular basis. And, we're going to, and I've been looking for someone to join the team to address criminal issues particularly, but internet issues is going to be a fun topic that we'll do some shows on because it's, I don't want to say the same word twice, but it's topical. There's so many things that go on with the internet that it's a, that it's a fascinating area and to explore some of the legal issues behind it, I think we'll all find to be very interesting. But a little background, Corey, sir, I understand you're licensed in Michigan, Washington, D.C., Arizona, Georgia, New York. Are you a vagabond? Do you have to like get around that much, or what's all the did you travel forget, a lot? Did you forget DC? No, I got Washington DC. Well, the cool the the cool thing about uh, doing a lot of the internet law is actually my my uh, my work takes me to states and countries all over the place, and so uh, one of the reasons why I'm actually licensed in so many jurisdictions is because I as these uh, cases pop up and I've got considerable work to do there. I yeah, because it's a it, it's a defined area, so there aren't that many there there aren't that many internet lawyers, so to speak. So it's one where you can go to a different state, and as long as you're licensed there, then you've got clients you can practice. Correct, and a lot of the issues that affect that, affect that are going to be federal issues as well. So it's just it, you know it's been one of those things, and and it's always nice to have an excuse to head off to another state. Not, yes. not that I don't like Michigan, but hey, I mean Arizona is. Uh, Hell of a lot nicer. Now, did you know in law school that you wanted to go into criminal law and the cyber law, or did this kind of develop over time? Internet cyber law was something I was always interested in. My background in uh, in college was computer technology, so I was always fascinated by that. Uh, criminal law was actually more of, um, frankly, just a, a set of circumstances that ended up uh, leading it to me. I'd, I'd like to tell you that I had some. Uh, Great moment where I watched the O.J. Simpson trial. Or or Judd for the defense. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I Perry, didn't. Were you around for Perry Mason? Either of you? I, you know, I, I, I've seen the reruns. Well, let's uh, let's let's digress a little bit. Why did what made you decide you want to be a lawyer, Jenny? 
You know, I, I want to say that it was it was Law and Order. I loved Law and Order. And there was a long period of time where I really wanted to be a criminal attorney, a criminal defense attorney, actually. And the more I got into it um, and the more I saw what was involved in the emotional toll and the fact that everyone's entitled to a, a fair trial and representation kind of took me away from that because I, f- I felt that I wouldn't be the best person for that. And that's what kind of strangely enough, I ended up in into the tax field, kind of switched gears but, completely. But TV, basically, Law and Order was what, as a kid, made you want to become a lawyer? Absolutely. I thought it was fascinating. And I, and I saw the late nights and what they did in the conversations. But um, What about you, know. you Corey? You know, I, honestly, Ken, what, it, what I really saw was that you hear all the time that, you know, people comment about the U.S. judicial system and so forth, and they, they, they comment negatively. But, but frankly, I actually, I took the position that when you look at the rest of the world and you see so many places where people are convicted with, in many cases, no due process, no, due process, no trial, no, frankly, some of them are just hauled off to jail, just arrested, they, you never hear from them again. I love the fact that in the, that in this country, before we truly hold someone accountable and get to that point where they will be legally accountable, that we have excellent set of laws that are in place to ensure that the prosecutors prove what they have to do and that ultimately there is a line of defense to ensure and at least try to stop from having people penalized for crimes yeah. that they didn't is, commit. Is that where they come the, up with the phrase that we'd rather let nine guilty people go go free than one innocent person go to prison? I mean, think if you're the innocent person. The, I and, mean, and that this, is such a travesty to lock someone up and take away their freedom if they're innocent. It's like I, I would be bitter for to, the, for to the end of the world if I was the victim of that. There's no worse feeling in the world, Ken, than, than sitting with a client and having to talk to them about, um, you know, what they're going through when they truly, in my opinion and in their opinion, and not in guilty. Case, are not guilty and, quite frankly, didn't do anything that should be putting them through this. Just in, in terms of when you combine a, a criminal prosecution, you know, oftentimes people think of just the ending. Like, a, you know, Jenny said a minute ago, she, she, she loved it from Law & Order. You know, because it would, you know, law and order is very quick to the point. You see the, you see the dead body, and then all of a sudden, and the person always seems to be guilty too. Well, you yeah. get, you get the crime, tri- you get, you get the week. crime, and you get the trial, yeah. and you get the whole thing. There's, there's, so there's you nothing. solve the crime, and you get the trial. Uh, nothing better than that. Unfortunately, that's not uh, exactly really how it goes. But but when you when you get into, um, you know, the steps that are actually required in between in terms of making sure that people's constitutional rights were followed and making sure and truly uh, giving a, you know, a defendant the opportunity to make his case. Uh, I truly believe it's one of the, it's one of the reasons why this country is so great. And frankly, it's one of the reasons why um, I, I absolutely love it. And, and, and I, and I truly do believe that uh, uh, everyone uh, deserves. Well, well, let me, let me back up though, because what, what motivated you first to want to becoming a lawyer? That was that was Jenny said law and law and order. Oh well, m- Corey m- wanted to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Motivation to be a lawyer at the time. I mean, it's actually quite frankly, I had finished undergrad, and at the time that I finished undergraduate, I, I graduated undergraduate with a uh, bachelor of science in computer technology, and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life, and uh, it was either this. Uh, or was med- either get a job or go go to well, law school. Well, Corey, it when was, you and I came out of school, it was either this or medical school, school, and I can't count. So, 
because I can't do math, medical school was was out of the question, so law school was left. But when we got out of college, the economy economy wasn't doing that great. The yeah. job there weren't a lot of jobs, so, so you a guys lot the of same us age, aren't you? went yeah. back to school. Yeah, there was no there, there was no opportunity to come out with a See, degree in in computer technology and have uh, yeah, because the market was not existent at that. So what 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 year what years did you guys get out? What year, undergrad? Undergrad would have been. Um, 2002. I know you can't count. Maybe Jenny. Can. I'm trying to remember. I, I, I want. I think it was 2000. It was but, 2001, but it and we both a, started law school the same wasn't year. Wasn't a good yeah. job market at that point. No, it no. wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't especially if you only had an undergraduate degree. Yeah. Uh, the economy wasn't doing well, so most of us, um, you know, people that Corey and I were friends with, decided to go back to school, either yeah. law see, school or to get your MBA. See, my motivation for a lawyer came from TV as well. It was probably a as a kid because I'm older than you guys. There were a constant number of lawyer shows different than the ones of, of modern era but it was perry mason it was judd for the defense and it was those type of shows but i always envisioned myself as a lawyer as a as a kid as well like i was i was the i wasn't on the debate team but i was the debater in school i ran for you know the student council and, and those types of positions as a kid so everyone always assumed that I would be a lawyer, and I always assumed that I would be a lawyer, and you know, and that's so. And I went to school; it was always for that purpose as well. I have to say, it was nothing like what I thought it would be. <laughs> you know, like practicing law versus TV law is dramatically different, and I still laugh at that by thinking I made my whole career choice, and was sure I wanted to be a lawyer based upon arguing, debating, running for student council, watching Perry Mason on TV. Being in the and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is a lot different. <laughs> no, the reality is, Ken, is that it, it's... You do uh, argue. You, you, get, you do you, argue. You do fight. You There's to, no question you, about it. And I don't mind fighting. You get to argue, but uh, but uh, it's about, I'd say, 90% paperwork. Maybe a lot of reading. A lot of reading, a lot of reading, a lot of writing. Yep. Which, lot. I mean, if you, if you don't like to write... Law is not a good field. But I can't, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't not be honest that I, you know, I lived through the, uh, my teenage years watching the O.J. Simpson trial. And, you know, I'd be lying to say that uh, Johnny Cochran and, and the rest of that legal team was one of the most impressive things that uh, did you, I've ever did seen. Did you happen to see the HBO series on that? I did. That's great. It was that great. Is, I, mean, I, I saw the HBO series. I also saw the ESPN series that they did. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's actually, in, from a defense standpoint, in terms of a uh, standpoint of, of the, the dream system, team, of the system, the dream team, it, it's actually a, an incredible uh, learning tool that, that even now, you, now you, when, you're, you, when I watched the series, what struck me was you've got the dream team against two prosecutors. Yeah. You have. All of this money and manpower and investigative the, the the prosecutors had their investigative team behind them because they have the the benefit of the, the the police and the investigations there. But when it came to the lawyers, it was two lawyers against seven yep. basically, and that that is a difficult task. All right, here's what I want to do. Let's do some with Corey. Let's do some what ifs. Okay. Okay. Just kind of as a way of introducing the topic. Okay. Let's say outstanding warrants and criminal defaults. What if what if you have an outstanding warrant? What does that position you in? Where where does that leave you from the standpoint of how to address it? So outstanding warrants are, are it's one of the biggest issues that we see, Ken. Uh, we we constantly are uh, seeing individuals who who 
they know about them or they don't know about them. But let's talk for a second about the people that do know. Give me an about example. Them. When would you have an outstanding warrant? Outstanding warrant would be uh, perhaps something that you had a um, you were arrested for domestic violence or drunk driving or possession of marijuana. Uh, you were given a court date on your citation or on your citation, it specifically told you when you had to report back to court. You didn't show up. Judge would have issued a bench warrant and now it goes into the lien system. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is that the next time you find out about it, uh, if you don't do something about it traffic proactively, stop. traffic stop, you end up getting picked up. It could be something as silly as uh, you go to court for some other other reason and for whatever reason the court officer runs a lien check you get found out guess what now they're wanting to see if the other court wants to pick you up and and so what we always do and what we always tell people and this is important ken regardless of what your situations are and we understand that oftentimes people uh run away from these things because one they think that it's going to go away two there are financial issues that they believe prevent them from being able to go do this. The bottom line is that you have to deal with these issues head on. You can't just leave it. Uh, I'm, this is no more than I would tell you a couple times a month. I'm in front of a judge explaining and having to make the argument where the judge says, hey, why didn't your client turn himself in when he found out about this? And, and, and it's a horrible position to be in because ultimately you need to show the court why they should let your client go until the next court date instead of sitting in jail. And so we, we always tell people, you got to deal with these things head on. You yeah, should we, not just be letting them sit. Jenny and I see that all the time in a similar vein. You see it where people avoid addressing tax issues. And Brian and I see it with regard to debt issues. We always call it the ostrich syndrome. You bury your head in the sand. And the outstanding warrant issue, it's a question of you know you have the court date. Then you decide, I can't do it. You don't go. You yep. haven't hired an attorney, well, which is mistake number one. Well, there are times when people don't really even understand what it is they've been given and what it is they're supposed to do? Sometimes it is. I mean, some of the citations that you get now are a little bit unclear, but... Is that a hard argument to make to the judge because he he doesn't want to hear it kind of? The judge doesn't want to hear it because, one, he hears it all the time. And the second thing, the judge says, fine, if you didn't understand it, why didn't you call and ask? Why didn't you call the court and ask? And, you know, again, the bottom line is that judges have very little tolerance for uh, people who don't show up for court, who don't fulfill their obligations, whether it be through a citation, whatever. And oftentimes, like Jenny just said, there is a chance that that they might not understand it. And this is where lawyers come in. This is this is where if you're in a position where you do have a warrant or you think you might but don't know, that happens all the time as well, or you missed a court date and you don't know what's going on with your case, this is where you pick up the phone you call a criminal defense lawyer so that someone can stand up for you, ask the questions, and get your case going in the right direction. Now, Corey, if someone thinks they might have a warrant out, out for their arrest, but they're not sure, is that something you can look into and find out? Yep, absolutely. We do it all the, all the time. We get multiple multiple calls a day for this. Uh, there's there's people who uh, f- who say they call up and they say, you know, I... I, I, I seem to remember getting pulled over for for drunk driving about ten years ago now, and I'm worried that the case is out is still out there. And sure enough, it it's is out there. Yeah, yeah it is out there. It, believe it or not, the the, the courts uh, are extremely good at two things: one, keeping records, and two, collecting money. And if the court hasn't collected, once they, they have the opportunity to collect money, they're not going to mess up on that. Exactly. And if the, if you owe them a couple bucks and they have an opportunity to, to get that money, they're not going to forget about it. Yeah. Here's one that every once in a while pops up that, that I see and that people don't realize it. Suppose you have a civil judgment against you. You've been sued by MasterCard or Visa and they've got a judgment against you, which is, we've talked about it on the show many times, is yep. not how you should handle it. But after that, 
the attorney then notices you up for what is called a creditor's exam. Yep. Sometimes those creditors examined are noticed up just to occur in the attorney's office. And if you don't show, nothing really happens at that point. But if they notice up the creditors exam at the courthouse, mm-hmm. they, then it be, and, and you don't show, the attorney can just walk into the courtroom, ask the judge to issue a contempt citation for failing to show up. Not a contempt citation. It would just be a, they, you just ask for a bench warrant. A bench warrant? Yep, just a bench warrant for failing to adhere to a subpoena. And then at that point, it's in the system. Correct. But these, the, the issue with, with that. So can you get, then you're stopped for a traffic ticket. If you'll get stopped for a traffic ticket, and if the officer sees that you're in lien for that, what would happen next would be generally the officer would call up that particular court and say, hey, do you want to come pick them up, what have you? And you'd be hauled off to jail. Usually by then, though, the judge has already set a bond, and you'd have to post that that bond, whatever the judge set, to get yourself out of jail. But you have to go, you're going to get hauled to that other police station to do that. What do they do if there's kids in the yes. car at this point in time? This is, <laughs> it's an interesting question. I mean, that really depends on who the officer is that stops. We've seen police officers that actually can be pretty cool. They'll give you the opportunity to call a family member to come pick up the kids. Then there's other uh, police officers that will that won't be that nice and will ultimately uh uh, basically say, nope, you're going to jail and we're going to take the kids to wherever until a family member uh, calls up to, to come get them, what have you. Um, but the the issue, Ken, with, with civil bench warrants, and again, this is another thing that people just don't understand, this is a pattern of where people find out they have a bench warrant, ah, whatever, I don't do anything about it, it's not a big deal, it's just a civil bench warrant, I can ignore it, whatever. It is a horrendous deal because, again, like you just said, they're still going to have to go through the process of dealing with it. And and civil, uh, th- this is where civil can ultimately bleed. Now, what some judges are doing now um, is that before a judge um, issues a uh, bench warrant, they'll issue what's called a show cause. And a, sh- and a show cause will basically be the, Another last, chance to show up. the last opportunity for the defendant to show up before the judge will issue a bench warrant. This way, the judge has the position that, look, I gave this defendant every opportunity. And, and the pattern, unfortunately, is that people... But here, well, here's where the problem is, is that person who's getting first the show cause order doesn't have counsel. Correct. So they don't have anyone that they're talking to to find out how serious of the matter it is. So then they make the fatal mistake of just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. So they ignored the judgment. They ignored the subpoena to appear for the creditor's exam. Now they ignore the show cause order, right. all on the same theory of I'm not. I don't have an attorney. I'm not calling an attorney. I just want to throw the piece of paper away. Or they don't even read their mail. Is also another problem. Yeah, correct. Because when, when people have financial problems, they don't like to look at their mail. And that's correct. And what you'll also find is that the the creditor's attorneys, the last thing that they want is they want someone with financial issues in jail. That doesn't solve the problem. Right, they want money. Exactly. They don't want that either. And 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 nine times out of ten, actually, I would say 99.9% of the time, Ken, a simple call from an attorney to that plaintiff's attorney uh, before that defendant gets gets picked up or what have you can oftentimes resolve the issue. It, it, it always resolves the issue yeah. for us. I mean, because first of all, in that situation... You call the plaintiff's attorney. First, you call the plaintiff's attorney. If you've got judgments against you, you have a problem that you need to deal with anyway. And bankruptcy is an option. Uh, making yourself first of all, if you have a judgment against you and you're earning wages, 
you're subject to garnishment if you don't do something about it. If you're self-employed, it's not easy to necessarily get your assets and collect that judgment, but it's hanging out there and it can be a problem. We can always solve the problem if we're involved. Well, Ken, recently on Facebook, I've seen if you get pulled over, and I don't know, Corey, if you've seen this, and they always say, you don't have to roll down the window, you don't have to do anything, just hold your license <laughs> What do you have to do? And start video and video it. What do you do when you're pulled over? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Question, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something right from the start. Police officers really don't like it when you whip out your cell phone and start recording. I'm sure they don't. What's going on? However, then again, right? It is absolutely completely legal. And if somebody wants to do that, if a person feels safer, if they believe that uh, they want to record and have a recording of whatever goes on from a stop, that's certainly their right and they can do so. Um, most of the time nowadays, uh, most police uh, jurisdictions, counties, uh, local police stations, the they have technology where the police cars are wired up, the officers are wired up. Um, and so it's so, all recorded and, anyway. And so they're recording it anyway. But at the same time, it's, you know, if, if you truly want to record your interaction with the police, you can absolutely do so. Now, I would say do it for the proper reasons. Don't do it because you want to make a YouTube video of, uh, <laughs> and, you know, say, hey, I want to make an asset, or excuse me, I shouldn't say that, um, make a... Well, make I mean, a there's a multitude of issues that go into the issue. If, you know, if you're in a all-suburban white neighborhood mm-hmm. and you're a person of color, mm-hmm. you have reason to be f- more fearful than I would have if I got pulled over being in my 60s in a white suburban neighborhood than if I was 22 years old, a young black individual. You know, the, the, the chances of me being mistreated at six, in, in my 60s versus the 18 to 22-year-old is a lot different scenario. You can't you can't deny that, and and if you're in that situation, you're gonna be you're gonna be more frightened. In, in 15 years, Ken, I cannot tell you how many countless examples I've seen of officers basing initial stops based on skin tone, sex, type of car, area, you name it. And and frankly, any officer that I think will tell you that they don't ever even consider such things in a stop is i think it's just untruthful and and people who get pulled over and this is the biggest this is another one of the biggest issues we see they don't understand what their rights actually are they don't truly understand that unless that officer truly has a reason to be making that stop and that unless the officer truly has some reason to be questioning a a, a suspect the suspect is under absolutely no legal obligation to answer so, any of so, the officer's questions. So we, we got to take a break to do announcements, but we got about a minute and a half before we do so. What would be the advice to someone? You're stopped. What should you do? Number one, be polite. This is, you know, time and time again, we see people, we see people get pulled over, they get frustrated, they get upset, and they immediately either verbally, and we've even seen it escalate to physical attacks on police officers. That's a big mistake. It is a horrible mistake and is only going to make whatever problem you're in worse. All right, so be polite. Be polite. If the officer wants to see your ID, show him your ID. I see a lot of YouTube videos now where people are refusing to give their IDs and so forth. I don't see any... If you refuse to give your ID, what recourse does the officer have? The the only problem is that ultimately the officer at that point is going to suspect even more that something's amiss and he's going to find something to write you a citation for. He's going to find a reason to ultimately get you out of the car. And before you know it, now you're 
problem that you might not have had is going to be a thousand times worse. But the biggest thing, and this is the biggest issue that people say, now once you've made contact with the officer and you've been polite, when the officer starts asking you questions, where have you been, what were you doing, et cetera, et cetera, a, a suspect has no obligation to answer those questions, and more, ta- more times than not, it is actually going to make that person's case worse. So how do you politely decline to answer the questions? Officer, thank you. I appreciate the question, but at this time, I'm choosing to remain silent. I'd like to speak with an attorney. Either one is, is fine. So if you have something that you know you've done wrong or you could be in trouble for, for sure you should go that route? Absolutely. Or what about if you haven't done anything wrong, should you go that route? Abs- absolutely, Ken, and I'll, t- and I'll tell you why. Because time and time and time again, we have seen people who think that they can talk themselves out of situations with police officers. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. They're trained. They know how to get around that. All right. Let's do announcements, and then we'll come back and kind of finish up on that little bit of topic. I want to remind our listeners, watch the TV version of On Reality every Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. on TV 20. Also, we have a monthly contest. Every month we give away a free $50 Visa gift card, a Lawn Reality golf hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. You just go to the website, lawnreality.com, pop your name on the homepage in the email slot, and you're entered into the contest. We have seminar coming up on Wednesday, December 12th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. Give a smart present to your family and estate plan. We're going to go through all the steps and methods that we use uh, in handling an estate, the documents you need, living trust, pour-over will, durable power of attorney, health care power of attorney. Brian Small and I are going to talk about estate planning concepts. Jeff Linden's going to talk about probate and how to deal with a probate fight if you end up in one and how that process works. Attendees get a $300 gold certificate off the cost of any estate plan. You want to sign up at thavgross.com or lawandreality.com, or you can always just call the offices at 888-235-HELP. That's 888-235-HELP. Also remember, you can always come into the firm for a free consultation. Debt issues, estate planning issues with Brian, tax issues with Jenny Lingle, business issues with myself. Corey Silverstein's available for any criminal law issues that you have. Jeff Linden is available on uh, workers' comp and Social Security uh, uh, disability issues. To get to obtain a free consult, just go to the website, click on the link to request one, or call anytime in the offices at 888-235-HELP. Also, check. Yeah, Ken, don't interrupt, but one quick note on your seminar. Because we were talking about these issues with people that may or may not know whether they have a uh, civil bench warrant out related to a debt, seminar is an incredible opportunity to come in for people that don't know a lawyer. They don't know who to talk to. It's a free opportunity to come in and talk to someone and say, hey, here's my problem and get advice. All of a sudden, you've got a friend and you've got someone exactly. to call then when you have a problem. You get our cards. You don't just get the contact you get to our seminars you get to know us our seminars are kind of from the heart we really dig into the topics we have a good time we do q a at the end people hang around after Corey. that's that, that's a great point all right back to the stop issue all right so it's still a difficult one i'm, I'm putting I, i'm listening to what you're saying but i'm putting myself behind the wheel mm-hmm. okay i'm doing 75 down the freeway Speed limit is, and it's a 60 mile an hour zone, and he's and, and, and the cop is somewhat obnoxious, mm-hmm. but he's writing me, and he's going to write me for the ticket. He's not really asking me any piercing questions. He hasn't asked. I haven't had anything to drink. Mm-hmm. He hasn't asked me have I have I had anything to drink. Mm-hmm. I wasn't weaving. He's just writing the ticket. Mm-hmm. So in that case, 
it's really there's not going to really be a lot of conversation. When I've gotten tickets before, I give him my registration, I give him my license. He goes back. Well, it depends. He comes you... back, and I say to him, "Can I have a break? <laughs> yeah, anything wrong with asking for a break?" No, it's saying something you know nice like that. And and again, this goes to my original thing that I was telling you to be nice and be polite. So many people they get stopped and they actually they talk themselves into a charge, and it and it's just it's. It, it's crazy, but there's nothing wrong with asking for a break. But at the same time, Ken, people need to be cognizant of the fact that while there's questions that an officer might ask that might seem very innocent, passive, innocent, oh, you know, hey, where were you? Were you just, were, you know, were you just uh, watching the Lions game, wherever? These, they want to know if you're drinking. Exactly. These are very specific questions. They're, they want to know where you came from. They want to know what you were doing because that will lead to potentially the continuation of their investigation. So what, if they ask you, have you been drinking? Mm -hmm. And you have. Mm -hmm. And you say no. Mm -hmm. But they then end up saying, I've pulled you over because you were weaving and they want to breathalyze you. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that you end up not passing the breathalyzer test. Can they charge you for lying to them when you said that you hadn't been drinking? No, but it doesn't help because ultimately... I'm just no, it, it's a great question, but I've, I, I... Frankly... Because if you're being investigated by the special prosecutor uh, from the standpoint of politics, if you lie to an FBI investigator, you can be charged with a crime. Ultimately, if, if you're a driver and you've been drinking the and, and they ask you, hey, have you been drinking? Shut up. Ask for a lawyer. Tell them you don't want to talk. There you go. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with Law and Reality. Thanks for tuning in.